Blog Talk Radio. Introducing in the red corner, American Tennis! And introducing in the blue corner, your host for American Tennis, Mr. Chuck Reese! Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get in the game. And hello once again, this is Coach Chuck Creasy, and it's another week of American Tennis. And folks, uh, boy, I'll tell you what, weather changing quick here, whether you're up east getting all that snow or down here in the south getting all the pollen, it is smacking us hard, and every day somebody's coming up sick or something like that, And uh, but, you know, we've got everything um, rolling for the spring here, and very, very happy to be in this great game of tennis, but I'm Coach Chuck Creasy, and this is American Tennis. We're in our fifth year, and we wanted to thank uh, Coach J.P. Weber for the We Coach Tennis Network and the Yellow Ball Network, and uh, folks, keep Jason Haynes' son in your prayers, again, uh, the originator of the UR Tennis Network, and it is, uh, it's, it's really important, prayers matter, and uh, please please think about him and, and keep him in your prayers. But I'm Coach Chuck Creasy. I want to tell you about, um, of course, uh, Lisa Stone's program, Parenting Aces program that's been on, gosh, she's been on four or five years now, on Tuesday at noon. And then, of course, John Denise's um, collegiate, excuse me, it's not a collegiate program, John Denise's program where he has some tennis experts on every Thursday at 4.30. That's all on the Yellow Ball Network. So I wanted to um, get right into a few things here um, because I've been so, so busy with collegiate tennis. And, uh, boy, I tell you, to, to, to be truthful, it is uh, it's so, so painful to see what's happening to our game. And uh, <clears throat> the... Um, I, I, you know, I, I get torn between. I don't want to be negative. You want to be positive. You want to have a solution to things, and that's what I want to talk about today. Is our solution to this? If it bothers you, what's happening to our game of tennis in the in the dumbing down of the game? Whether it's the scoring system, 
whether it's just a lack of interest in competitive tennis, whether it's the lack of champions we have here in the United States, and so many many things. Uh, I, I want to get I want to get talk about solutions um, because really it's on my mind night and day just about my family, my job, but this is on my mind all the time, and I'm constantly trying to look for ways that we can be effective and we feel we've never been more power so powerful or more powerful with being able to get our word out there with internet and with the Facebook and all of those things but we don't want to put rubbish out there we don't want to put stuff out there that is uh just more like drinking water out of a fire hose we always have said uh, we want to put things out of substance, and we want to do things that, that really, really stick and get people to think. And, and to each and every one of you, you know, the written word will last on long after we're gone. And uh, and those things that we can help impact in other people, especially young people, the good lessons and in, in all of the values that our sports teaches, those things go on for generations and generations. And the heritage Heritage and history is very something very, very important to our sport, and it's absolutely something that we need to protect and we, we need to stand by. But the written word's important. I wanted to encourage each and every one of you to write. Get your words on paper. Get your words, not just on the Internet, but get it, get it on paper as well, and to, to write about the things that you're upset about. Stand up, speak out. I, um, our program today is about guardians of the game. I wanted to say right now, I'm, I am a guardian of the game. Coach Chuck Creasy, I am a guardian of the game. If I had a title, I would want it to be a guardian of the game. And you are too. Every one of you listening to this show, you must love tennis. You love working with youngsters. You you are into giving back to other people. So you be a guardian of the game. You have a responsibility to stand up, to speak out, to say those things that need to be said. If you address issues, don't address people. Come on. You know, big people talk about ideas. Small people talk about other people. I always tell my guys on the team, when you talk about somebody else, it feels good for exactly 13 point two seconds maybe that long and then you go oh my gosh what i've done i maybe have done a character assassination by the way isn't that one of the big 10 oh, you bet it's one of the big 10 for all ages never to bear false witness against thy neighbor and we all have this in us where we want to strike strike out strike back but we need to address issues not people we need to stand up speak out and say what that is on your heart and on your mind. And if it's on your heart and you, you're really led to speak out, put it on paper. Do not be afraid. We need to speak out absolutely when our organizations are letting us down. You're not a traitor in any way. You're not a person who is a troublemaker in any way. If you see where our organizations are being run in the wrong way and they're going in the wrong direction, and uh, we all need service, listen to the word service organizations. We do not need bureaucracies that dilute, pollute, and prostitute what we're doing, the greatest game in the world, and other things. We do, do not need bureaucracies with top-down management to 
dictate through coercive leadership. Leadership by example is the best. Persuasive leadership is legal and okay, but once these organizations start using coercive skill sets, just because they can, that's that's real important, not because they should, but because they can, we are in dangerous, dangerous territory. And uh, the United States of America is based on freedom, and we have a duty to stand up, speak out, and to be a guardian of the game, a guardian of the game. And I want you to think about that. I will be right back in a minute. This is Coach Chuck Creasy. We'll get through this commercial. Coach J.P. Weber of the We Coach Tennis Radio Show. In my 30 years experience in coaching tennis, I've never seen a better tennis training situation for children than Coach Creasy's total tennis training camps. Chuck Creasy has coached them and trained them in every arena from juniors to collegiate to professional tennis, and over 15,000 children have improved their games at his summer tennis camps. Find out more at ChuckCreasy.net. That's ChuckCreasy.net. And uh, 
to the man, to the woman, we could say as well, uh, the older coaches just say, ah, just let it go. You know, I'm just trying to get through this, and I want to spend time with my grandkids or something like that. And the middle-aged coaches are saying, you know, I got a good job, and I got this family. I don't want to rock the boat. You know, if the USTA was mad at me, or the ITA, oh, my gosh, I, I just the big brother is watching me here. Big brother is watching me. And if, if I do the wrong thing or say the wrong thing, uh, I don't know, man. I could put this in uh, – put myself in jeopardy and then the young coaches are just happy to be there they just like <clears throat> fitting in younger coaches don't want to stand out they just want to fit in so and it's just extremely disheartening and i i um i labor with this i'm i've got a couple people calling in today to uh to talk as far as some uh options and some actions we can take but uh, and we'll get to those as they come in. But I wanted to go through this. Why are we under assault? One of my bosses asked me the other day, "What's happened to tennis the last ten years, last fifteen years?" I said, "Well, we've turned it over to the marketeers." Uh, the word, uh, you know, this is um, the, the predominant reason why there is a different philosophy. It shifted. It is shifting from education. To entertainment and everybody out there probably if you know tennis you've seen what's happened to Prince the racket company the once the best top racket company in the, our country for sure and all around the world and Prince is is gone under and other places have gone and what everyone's panicking the marketeers once the marketeers get ahead it's not they, you know, there used to be service marketing to special sports like tennis and to uh, the, a service marketing situation. But when you go to profit marketing and you put entertainment over education, you absolutely dilute, you pot pollute, and you prostitute what you're working with. It, and uh as I was explaining it to my to my boss one time, I said, you know, it, it's it's very similar to when you dilute or pollute or prostitute uh, art or music. Once you go in that direction where you cheapen what you do, you lose the core value of the sport, of the art, of the music, of the craft. And once you go to mass producing this, once we try to mass produce our youngsters into tennis stars, once we come through a system and we have a pathway, again, it's not about systems, it's about incentives. And it's not about a pathway, we need an expressway, a freeway. Freeway is better because it should be a free enterprise system. Bottom up, that's the way the United States functions best. But once you go there, it's the beginning of the end. So, again, that was my my friend J.P. Weber, who really is a tennis genius. He really, really is. The guy has so much depth, and uh, there's just so many thoughts. <laughs> and I love being around him because of how I am inspired um, all the time. He's just got so many thoughts um, that are really, really good good for our game but when when you start to promote for he said the marketeers took over yes they dilute pollute and prostitute 
In the end, you have something that's shallow, hollow, and will not inspire. And then guess what? You don't get the best people running the businesses. So how many times have you heard this story over the years of a man who I don't care whether it might be the Vanderbilts or or the Rockefeller or somebody, the local five and dime store or the hardware where somebody builds the business up and it's turned over to the kids. And then the second or third generation, they just dilute, pollute, and they prostitute the business. So our first reason and way it's under assault is with the marketeers. Now, with that, our organization, now, they call themselves the governing body of tennis. I don't know how the USTA ever came up with, we are the governing body. Who elected them? Did they appoint themselves? Did they have their own staff say, we are going to be the governing body? We are in charge of everything just because we have United States. On. Look, you can use US, the, the, everybody out there needs to know. USA is not able. You cannot copyright it in any way possible. You might, you can't, now look, they say USTA, but every one of us can, we are part of USA Tennis. Every one of us should be guardians of the game. But they, once they became into marketing business, it became a power grab of what can we get, how can we get it. The power grab, and then the coercive leadership of forcing things down our throats. And the best example is the 10 and under program. And Nobody is against great teaching tools. Look, no ad scoring, abbreviated scoring. No one is against great teaching tools. No one is against these things that help us learn the game. However, when they dilute with the abbreviations, they pollute, they force it on us, and then they prostitute it by by promoting this. They're now in junior tennis trying to call these abbreviated scoring systems the college system. Do you see where they're going, folks? Do you see where they're going? And then the coercive leadership. Again, leadership by example, where you follow someone out of choice is what you want. We need leadership by example. We need the USTA to be a service. Hear that? Service organization. We do not need, and, and again, you can use persuasive tactics. Even a head of the USTA told me, a, a, a guy pretty high up said, look, we tried the persuasive thing with playing state tennis, with green ball, with small court tennis. It wasn't catching on, so we had to force it. And I go, whoa, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. You're telling me, you're telling me that you forced it down our throats because your persuasive programs did not catch on. Pretty much that was it. Well, I said, what country is this? This is, this is communist Russia. I mean, what is this? And that's a good question. Is it a socialist country or is this a democratic republic? It's not even, it's a, it does. Do we have freedom here? Do we have freedom in tennis? Whoa, 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 whoa. Folks, does USTA own tennis? Do they own tennis? Nobody owns tennis. Nobody owns it. They are a supposed to be a service organization. And again, they're not a service organization. Now they've become a market-driven or money-driven money-driven situation. And 
Couple, I've got a couple calls here. Hang on, callers. We will get to you here in a second. Money-driven, I had a coach call me in a local town, and he said, look, coach, he says, uh, I had to spend $850 recently. All I want to do is work with kids, and they're telling me i got to get this certification, that certification, this certification. I'm not so sure. I'm not even learning anything from this certification process. The stuff isn't even any that good. I said, do not fall into that trap. Nobody owns the sport of tennis. You go out, teach tennis, work with kids, teach tennis. You know, what's, what's, what's a debacle, which is laughable, is they are now pushing these certification programs, and they've got these guys teaching it and gals teaching it that are like second stringers. They're like, they're, I mean, it's really amazing. They are trying to force feed through coercive leadership. Do you hear me? This is like the core curriculum or that common core curriculum for kids. Again, the government's better than the individual and the location. Are you kidding me? It doesn't inspire this guy. He's about ready to drop out of teaching. I'm going to meet with him and talk and try to get him going and started. But the bottom line is, come on. <laughs> this ain't the way you do it. Guys, it just... Again, if they weren't marketeering, it, it would be better off. Lastly, and I'm going to get to my calls here in a minute, it's the ITA. The ITA, now who owns college tennis? The ITA is doing a power grab. And, folks, I'm telling you, I was there at originally. I saw the ITA and through its infancy. I know exactly how it was constructed. I know exactly who the kingpins were in the marketing of it, and then the trying to, and it, there was a time when it was a service organization, but it is not now set up as a service organization. Again, they're calling themselves the governing body, the governing body of college tennis. Now, whoa, wait a minute, wait, wait a minute. Don't doesn't college teams belong to their conferences first, and the NCAA is the governing association. So we have a lobbyist group here who's trying to throw their weight around. And a lobbyist group, and, and it, it, is, it is awful, and it is, but at the same time laughable that they have come in and they have force-fed this ridiculously bull, we're calling it the Bullwinkle system, the Bullwinkle collegiate system. Folks, that's what it's called, the Bullwinkle collegiate system, because it is laughable, and but the thing that's so sad, so sad, is that the players, the players aren't even playing tennis. They're not even playing tennis. They're not learning how to play tennis. None of the mental parts of the game are being taught. None of the emotional parts of the games are being taught. Yeah, they're smacking balls, but players are not playing tennis. We've had enough programs on the debacle that they call no ad or abbreviated scoring that we need an asterisk for by the way folks we we need an asterisk so who owns college tennis does the ita own it usta do, do they own tennis well they're making us pay head taxes for every person that plays in tournaments did you know that tournament directors have to play a head tax did you know that referees have to be certified through them and by the way, do you know the referees have to call in all the scores and send in all the scores on their computers to go and know where do those scores? 
And I'm going to open a can of worms here, and we might talk. I'm going to have the fellow on the show in a couple of weeks. But where do you think all of those scores immediately go over the Internet, too, on a 30-second delay? Where do you think they go? You can use your imagination on that one, and we'll come back to that topic another time. What about the UTR? The UTR is gaining popularity. It looks like a nice service organization. No, it's not. You have to pay money to be in it. It's one of the popular things, and people think, hey, this is going to be that we've got to be in it. We've got to pay our money. That's again, it's marketing. How about those guys turning it over their idea and not trying to be profiteers out of this? So what do we need? We need to be guardians of the game, guardians of the game. I'm going to get. I, I'm, I'm hoping I can get him on here, but one of the best guardians of the game is the originator and the founder of We Coach Tennis. And is that Coach Weber? Or are you on the line? Coach Tracy, Coach how you Weber, doing? You on the line? I am. You I'm talk? on the line. Are you there? Okay, we, we, we you're coming in loud and clear. So, have you been listening, Coach? I just got you. You just came up on the switchboard here. But we're talking about a little bit. Besides, a little, a little bit. I've heard what you've been saying. Okay. You got quite a uh, few Coach. Things. You got quite a few things on your plate there. Okay. Like always, like always in the middle of the season. So. That's that's the way it is. But we're talking about we all are guardians of the game. We all need to be guardians of the game. That's our title, you know. We co- you know, uh, but we need to make sure that everybody out there stands up, speaks out. Why do people buckle and not even speak out? I'm saying 80% of college coaches hate this system. All the players hate this new system college system. Why don't people speak out, Coach? The, the college stuff I don't know as much about. I do know, um, you know, There's. I'll give you an example. There's a great family here in Atlanta, super family, super tennis family, um, all the way from top to bottom, from pro to little five-year-olds playing tennis in their family. And, uh, you know, Everybody, if you're competitive people, you want to keep that edge and you want to stay, you know, on the right side of everything and everybody. So uh, they go along with whatever the USGA says. Okay, the USGA says does it. They may know very well that what the USGA has said about this, that, the other thing doesn't matter, but they're just going to go along with it because going along with it is the easiest route. I, I wanted to mention a couple of things. You mentioned something about where does the USTA get its authority. It actually does have a legitimate stake in in, in being the arbiters of the uh, of the sport here in the U.S. It, it is it is the um, um, it's given that by the United States Olympic Committee. The Olympic Committee uh, gives the USTA its position as the governing body within the United States, and then that gives it the right to award and appoint certain people. So I wanted to clarify that with you. And then one other thing I wanted to clarify a little bit. I think that some of these, look, at the local level, these organizations are very efficient, very good, and very helpful. And as long as they stayed that way, where it was a um, pyramid and it sort of worked from the bottom up, they were always very good. 
the USTA has been very good in a lot of ways. They're still very good at a local level. There's a, I don't want to mention any names. There's a local guy, USTA-wise here, been here for many years. There's several of them. And they aren't as sold on some of the changes that are coming down as, you know, they aren't national. It doesn't work in our locale. Many people, right now there's a great, if any of your listeners are on that U.S. Legends thing, Don Patrine always seems to put up provocative statements and get people going, and he's got one going now on that U.S. Legends list on the Facebook thing. He's got, um, I don't know, he's got close to 200 comments on it, and he's talking about, you know, the 100-court facility at Lake Nona. And is that the best way to help tennis? And I proposed on there that, no, it's probably not. I, I, I tend to think it's just like big government. You've got a big bureaucracy, bureaucracy with the USTA, and uh, they're doing big things like that. We're at a stage where, you know, it's, it's difficult to fill 12 court facilities. Now we've got a 101 court facility, and everything's going to be centralized there. But the problem is, like what you said, when it becomes centralized and it becomes part of a system, everything emanates out of that one spot. And then only the elite coaches can have that knowledge. And then only certain people can go there. And only certain players, well, you, you know, you gotta, we got to limit who gets to go there. So they're only going to choose certain players. So now it puts the UST in the position of choosing the winners and losers. And I just think that they're better equipped in my opinion, at growing the game. They would be better if they spent creating the fertile environment where competition would be, you know, just overflowing. They could, they could do that. They could make a very fertile environment, and it wouldn't have anything to do with, you know, player development, top player performance, all this other stuff. They could stay out of that and let other areas, let other – and then if you did that, you'd have a much varied um, way of doing it. And if it's varied, I think like what you said, what you, I think that's your point, is that I think that our strength in the United States is in the variety of ways that we can go about solving a problem. Many of these, you take Sweden. I'll give you a good example. Sweden, Czechoslovakia, maybe there's some political problems over there. I think there's the war and things of that nature. But when you look at those countries and you look at the systems that they had back with, say, Borg, let's take Sweden and Borg and Edberg and all those guys, Vlander and all that, where are they now? Exactly. And I, think it was a I, think, I think that's a great one to look at. And I, I, you know Matt Vlander. I'd love to know from Matt Vlander. They had a system. The system worked, but it expired. It's, it's gone. It's not working the same. Nobody's pointing to Sweden and saying, look, they're not producing champions anymore. But that's the danger you run into, I think, with a centralized way. It would get too top-heavy. It would get too um, bureaucratic, and it would, you know, you know, as the game evolved or as it changed, it wouldn't come about. So many people and point it to – it doesn't inspire. It doesn't inspire. It doesn't inspire. That's the bigger thing. I would rather have – isn't it the old Drago versus – Rocky argument, I'd rather have that inspired athlete than, than the one that's technically flawless. They're going to work very hard at USGA. <laughs> I see your analogy there. Sound, <laughs> yeah, very technically sound uh, 
athletes, but then you know then they're gonna they're probably gonna have a you know they're not they're not set up to they can't push come on they're they're not gonna they've got to protect the purse strings of the USJ they're probably not gonna push the envelope there too much they're not gonna have you know a lot of these guys you know are is it the way for example I'm skipping around here but you brought me on to that is it a way is it the way that is it is it what Landsdorf said about how to hit a forehand or a backhand that got the kids motivated to do what he wanted them to do, or was it his method of motivation? Is it the method of motivation of these coaches along with maybe what they do from a technical standpoint to a certain degree, or is it the inspiration and motivation that gets them? It's always coaching the heart. It's always, Coach Weber, it's always coaching the heart first. You must coach the heart of the athlete. Of the, if you don't coach the heart and touch the heart first, you get nothing. And in order to do I mean, that, you're trying, you have to. You're trying, you're trying very hard there at the Citadel. Very hard. You're doing a good job. It's, they're getting better inch by inch. You know, you're doing that. But are you fiddling with the technique as much as, or are you working on the heart and the inspiration? What, 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 are you working on a culture? You're trying to create a culture there? We've got a culture that's wonderful. We've got yeah. the competitive. The comp- they're competing great. They're learning to lose first. Folks, you got to learn to lose the right way. We're learning to win now. It's coming around. But winning comes last if you train the heart. If you go after winning first, the outside of the athlete, the outside of the student, it never sustains. So, the point, your point about Drago in Rocky Four, that's a great analogy. See, the United States Tennis Association is trying to create Drago with all of the perfect systems, with having a hundred court complex and saying we are the experts, we have everything monitored. Whereas United States of America is inspired by by the Rocky training, and uh, that's where we're at. So. The the big thing is, again, you've got to get close enough and train the heart. I wanted to ask you something before I lose you. I mean, I listen, I, I'm so grateful that you've come on here because you have so many wonderful insights. <clears throat> if you have to send your son to any of the top coaches in America, would you name, you named Robert Lansdorp, and, um, you know, I'd, I'd like for you to name him. And if you do not name me for brownie points, I get you on the show. Do not, because I, I'm, you know, I, I uh, you know, I just name five to ten coaches. Tell the people out there, you know, uh, <clears throat> I don't know. Uh, just as coaches for if pro players or whatever, do you have a few good ones out there? Robert Landsdorp is great. You know, and you have a few other ones. I don't know that my opinion counts on that, but I think it is probably different coaches that are right for kids at different. Well, I've got a reason asking you. I want to. I'm asking well, I, you this I, I because mean, Robert Landsdorf, Jack Schrupp's one, let me Jerry stop. Baskin's one. Let me let me let me ask you something here. The only reason I'm asking you that, the, I'm going to go further. I don't want to just promote these wonderful people. We're not doing that. Are any of these people really utilized, are best coaches in the United States of America, are they being utilized by the Drago training group of USTA? Are they being used? I don't think so. I think they're outliers. They're, 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 and that's where we, our system allows for that sort of 
creature to you know <laughs> to exist. It's not there. It's not systems, and it's not based on that. The outliers. They, they, there are coaches out there that that are certainly capable of handling and doing things to help the USTA. Jack Sharp's been one for years. The USTA's tried to recognize them. Jack Sharp, they recognized. Um, yeah, and it's that's uh, that's all good. And, and I'm, I'm not, we're not to, Jerry Baskin. We're not to but be you critical gotta, you here. We don't need to I'll tell, I'll tell you a guy. I'll tell you a guy who's done well for many, many years. Now he may not, and you, and of course it might be a little bit of a sore spot with you. But well, I'm, here in I'm Atlanta, thinking Gary, about Wayne, Gary Gary I'm, Groleman. I'm Gary Groleman. I'm thinking. Oh job, my gosh, man. he's that guy's done hundreds, hundreds, and hundreds of. Hundreds of, of kids. Uh, Wayne, you know, Wayne Bryan would be a oh, super Wayne, guy. Do, do they I, use I Wayne Bryan? I want my son around job. him all the time. Hey, uh, do they use someone like Coach, the two best jobs ever done by parents, Wayne Bryan and Pat Harrison? I don't think they use either no, one of those guys. Let me tell guys. you what Wayne would say. Let me tell you what Wayne would say. I think he would say, you know, he's told me, you know, when you start to – you know, Wayne would say, go out and do it on your own. We need more people to yeah. just do stuff like what he's doing yeah. on their own. Yeah. You don't need the yeah, USDA. You don't need them to get yeah. it done. You know, I, he does something, he, or he did something. When his boys were playing, he was doing something that was absolutely remarkable. He would hold uh, training sessions in the mornings of the days of Davis Cup events here in the United States at different cities. So he'd bring in 200 kids. They'd come in on a Thursday night. They'd get up early at 6 a.m. at an embassy suites or someplace like that, all staying together, four-door room, something like that, all staying together. they get up, train for two or three hours, and then go watch Davis Cup matches. And I said, Coach, why doesn't the USGA do this? And he said, don't wait for the USGA to do it. He said, and we don't really need the USGA to do it. He said, do it on your own. Now, he has – I don't know for sure – how it works, but I'll give you examples. Mr. Johnson, Stevie Johnson's dad, would be a great person to pick up that mantle and go forward with that and invite the kids in and do the inspirational fun things. Wayne had an ability to, you know, at nighttime they had talent shows and at nighttime they had extra curricular activities that made it fun for the kids. You know, they do little games and we played capture the flag and all those kinds of things that made it a little bit more fun for the kids at those events. But we don't need to wait for the USJ. You're right in that sense. The USJ doesn't own things. My difficulty is that I think too many people do look to them for the answers. And I think when it comes down from the national level, it often doesn't fit. I am a big proponent of the local USTA and what they can do and how they can move and change and switch and do things. All the sections, every section, if there's a Davis Cup event in their section, the sections ought to get together and get the best kids from their sections, get 20 of the best coaches or just get 20 coaches that will volunteer, get one guy who will be a leader, get them out there, and have fun. But okay, you know so if you were – You know what? You know what? But hold, on, were, you know what? hold on. They can't – hold on. Wait a second. They can't do it. You know why? I think that I'll, I'd be willing to bet you they can't do it because they perceive liability. You know. Yeah, I. They perceive liability. You know, you 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 probably are exactly right because the bureaucracy has become so big that they are not allowed to do 
basically, they're not allowed to train the heart first. They're not allowed to do those things that have to be trained. So they they spread their stuff out there very thin over a big area. And uh, therefore, it, again, it's the bureaucratical, their, their mess up is that it's a bureaucratical organization that tries to manage top down. So what should they be? They should be a service organization, absolutely. But other than that, should they just stay the heck out of the coaching? What it what should they do for just providing the methodology? I think when they get into methodology, it makes it a little bit tough to swallow. I think when they get into picking the ultimate winners and losers, you get to go with this program. And uh, one great example: there's a junior player out there right now, a young girl. Don't tell player. me. Don't tell me. Junior Very, player. I just... won't tell you a name. I won't tell. You, I, I won't, but let me give you an example. One of the top kids in the country got invited to all the programs. They started retooling part of her game. When they retooled part of her game, she dropped a few spots. When she dropped a few spots, no more invitations to anything the USTA was doing. The invitations ceased to come in. Now she's back on top. The invitations have come back. But when you do it that way, like you said, it leaves a bad taste in people's mouths. You know, how do they choose them and they don't choose them? See what I mean? So, yes, I think that it's tough for them when they get into choosing kids and they get into choosing the winners and losers at that level. I think it's it's difficult. They've got to spread a wide, wide net in, in, in order to not in order to not ruffle feathers. I, I think it just makes out, it tough for them. Could I point out a truth? This, folks, this is a very big truth that I've learned in my 47 years of coaching. Breakthroughs only, 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 not not sometimes, only happen after breakdowns. Breakdowns always come before breakthroughs. Now, folks, that means that with your player, you must stick with them through the tough times. And one of the biggest criticisms of the USTA is they do not stick with you unless you are the flavor of the month. The flavor of the month has to keep winning, and they'll stick with you. Otherwise, they abandon. And with, with without coaching the heart first of the athlete, of the athlete, without coaching the heart first, you have nothing. You have Drago, right? <laughs> the best coach, the best technical uh, organization driven ever was that your that's such a good analogy coach you know drago we need rocky not Drago. we need the skip fosberries who create the fosberry flops on their own uh, new and innovative that happens with freeways our, not our, with our our country is set up for that our country is not set up to get behind florida and Lake Nona, in my opinion. It, it's just not set up for that. You, What you've done, what they've essentially done is they've set it up so that California's, you know, do you, what do you think? If you're, if you're a coach worth your salt out there in California, are you sort of scratching your head saying, okay, all right, they think they're going to have it over there in Florida. We'll show them what we've they still got over up. here in Southern Cal. They're going to kick ass in Southern Cal. And kids, you know what I mean? And so it'll end up being something, you know, maybe, maybe it won't. Maybe it won't, you know. I don't know. You know, every time every time they come up with something new, somebody always says on that thread with it, that that's over there on the, that Don Petrine's put up. Jeff Salzenstein and I've sort of engaged a little bit. And Jeff's a very good. I, I respect him a lot. Very good coach. Very young guy. 
Good but man. Jeff's good man. Making making the point. Good man. Making the point that uh, you know we should uh, we should give him another chance. Give him a chance. Give him a chance. <laughs> keep keep well, giving him a chance. I just really, don't think it works. Uh, the proof of the pudding, the world, in the pudding with uh, college is done. College college is about done, folks. I'm telling you. I don't see any American players coming out of college system. It's unfortunate. And as far as getting players, the, the ones that will inspire us, I don't know. We keep waiting. So, Coach, thank you. I've got one other call on the line here. I'm going to go to Coach Weber again. One of the more brilliant people, I think, in, in tennis. Thank you. Look at his website, and we coach tennis. We've got Coach uh, Randy Blumendahl, uh, 20 years collegiate coach on the line, and uh, just a great trainer, just a great trainer of players and young people. And We've been talking that we are all guardians of the game, Coach, and uh, you might have picked up on uh, Coach Weber. We've been talking that the USTA does not own the game. ITA does not own the collegiate game. You know, we know we all need to step up and show our ownership and protect the game and be guardians of the game, you know. So any quick comments? I've got three or four minutes here left, Coach. Any quick comments? No, I think I think that's an interesting subject that you're you're touching on you know who owns the game i think early on i was i was told you know about respecting the game and how no player was bigger than the game and no coach was bigger than the game and how great the game itself was and a lot of the stuff we're talking about is one of the things that makes the game great is how coaches and players can be innovative and do their own things and, and really kind of find their own pathway to greatness. And when we keep keep going down this one pathway, one pathway, and, you know, regardless if USDA is going to give opportunities or not, but when they start getting into the coaching and there's one way, uh, you know, at best, we're like you told me a few weeks ago, at best we're going to get one, one player out of that. So, um, yeah, I, I – if they would let go of the coaching part, they could still allow players to get opportunities if they earned them, and I think you would see things flourish. But when they hold on to both sides and then don't take responsibility, I don't think that works out well no matter who you put in that situation. So, yeah, that, so the, the point is that nobody owns tennis. And, and when so you try to control it, it's not, it's not a good uh, – it's not going to end up very well for anybody. So you're saying let's incentivize people and get out of the, like Coach Weber was saying, picking the winners and the losers in the the coaching part. Yes. Yeah. I, you know, I just I think when you tie the two together, you know, it, when, when you're when you're trying to, like you said, there's no break breakthroughs before breakdowns. So as you're trying to coach a player and then you're trying to give them opportunities at the same time, there's no, I, I don't care who you are. I don't think that's going to work out very well for you. If, if you're able to coach them through the breakdowns and then they go out there and earn their opportunities and it could be the USTA or the ITF or whoever the opportunities are through, then uh, yeah, I mean, that's a, it's a much, 
much better system, and, and the cream will rise to the top in that one. So I, I one think of that's the things, where we're getting stuck. One of the things quite interesting, and I just got a minute or so here, one of the things that's quite interesting is we are lacking uh, with people going into the tennis coaching profession. Uh, it's not just because there's not enough money there, but I think there's not enough freedom and not enough entrepreneurial uh, energy as far as uh, creative energy and people being allowed to create. Uh, once you get a top-down management situation, it stifles your creativity. So at best, you get second stringers who are latching on to a custom-made uh, thing, and you're going for results only. So do you think, you know, as you see my leading question here, do you really think that maybe because of the coercive-type leadership that the USTA and the ITA need, it kills the inspiration for young people to want to be a coach and things. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's like, uh, you know, it's like they've got restrictor plates on all the time or handcuffs. They're not allowed to fail either. And and I don't know how the learning process is ever going to take place if they don't learn, if they don't fail and learn from their failures. And if there's no inspiration to really reach out and take a risk, and then everything's already set up. Yeah, you, you, the next generation of coaches, uh, it's it's going to be tough to really understand what it takes to to get players to the next level. So, you know, that, uh, those are things I've been thinking about a lot. Well, absolutely, and I just the real just that thing just it's stuck in my mind here. Uh, when, when JP was talking about, he was comparing the USTA to the Drago training in Rocky Four, how it was so perfect, yeah. but they didn't train the heart. In the end, Red Drago says, nobody owns me. You know, he even rebelled against the system, the pathway. Right. Drago rebelled against the pathway. And then everybody in that system, what a message. As corny as that was at the end where Rocky made his little speech, Everybody started cheering Rocky because he was the free thinker, the independent person. He did it as an outlier out of the box. And, and again, it's a, it's a philosophical approach to, to maybe the same thing. We all want results. But I wanted to hit on you one more thing here. In your work with players for so many years, whenever people start going for success instead of mastery, that's sort of the – the uh, what I want to say that's the the that's the drug that will do you in. Hello. Yes, coach. So, what I'm saying is, whenever you go after a result instead of mastery and the love of your sport, that's the yes. drug that does you in. Outside in training versus inside out training will do you in every time. Yeah, it's something, something we talk about a lot, and I think that there's a lot of traps that are laid out there. And in, in in one of the hot topic topics right now in the USTA is the the points race, and these parents don't understand quite what they're getting into, and then they they're they're always trying to search out this instant success, instant success, and and trying to you know almost microwave the development. 
And the one thing that, you know, that, that I tell the kids all the time, the strings have changed, the rackets have changed, but the, the time it takes and the number of balls it takes to develop hasn't changed. So, you know, and, and that's, you know, and, and, and they have to kind of fall in love with going after that and chasing that. And if, if they don't, I, um, there's too many traps along the way. And, and you know, they, they, they fall into chasing after points or changing coaches every other week because, hey, you know, I, I, I've got to get into whatever the next level tournament is and, and don't understand what the big picture is because it's it's all about the success of the day. And, you know, like you said, it, eventually that's what we're all striving for is excellence we would like to see that. We would like to see that result. But I think um, philosophically, I, I believe there's a different way to get there. I, I don't think it could have been said better, Coach Randy Blumendahl. With that, we've got to get ready and sign off here. Uh, again, we are all, we are all guardians of the game. Made in America. of winning or losing. We all are. Every day of our life, we're either winning or losing, and it has very little to do with a win or a loss. And um, we're all guardians of a game. We all need to protect it, folks. It's the most fantastic game ever invented. See you next week on American Tennis. Opinions stated by various contributors to the UR Tennis Network and its programming are not to be considered as endorsed by the UR Tennis Network. Participants are encouraged to use their own discernments and draw their own conclusions. All information, products, and services offered by the UR Tennis Network are for personal use only. The UR Tennis Network does not confirm nor deny the validity or accuracy of information contained within the network. Any products or services provided for should be used solely for entertainment purposes. We emphasize the idea of keeping an open mind and not construing the products, services, or data as factual.